Welcome to the Amherst Wesleyan Church Sermon Podcast. So we're talking about happily ever after, question mark. Hmm. Because we know in as much as the world likes to tell us that it should just be you get married then everything's rosy and wonderful, it's not the way it goes all the time, right? But Evan showed us last week it's one. When we are married, we become one, not separated. No way to take that apart. I'm going to read a bunch of verses now. Inasmuch as Evan read a lot last week, his focused on that oneness. And we're going to hear that in some of these scriptures again today, but we're going to hear some different things. So the references are going to come up. If you want to try to turn to them, go for it. But there's a lot. So I'd rather you just hear and let it sink in, all right? Genesis 2.18, which we just heard, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper for him. And then down to verse 24. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and they will become one flesh. 1 Corinthians 7, 1-17 says, Now for the matters you wrote about, it is good for a man not to have sexual sexual relations with women. But since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. If the wife does not have, pardon me, my tongue, Here we go. Let's try this again. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. Do not deprive each other, except perhaps by mutual consent for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again, so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I say this as a concession, not as a command. I wish that all of you were as I am, single. But each of you has your own gift from God. One, this gift, and another has that. Now, to the unmarried and the widows I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do, but if they cannot control themselves, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. To the rest I say, I, not the Lord, if any of you has a wife who is, an, is not a believer, hold on, I missed a part, sorry. To the married I give this command, not I but the Lord. A wife must not separate from her husband, but if she does, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband and a husband must not divorce his wife. To the rest, I say this, I, not the Lord. If any brother has a wife who is not a believer and she is willing to live with him, he must not divorce her. 
And if a woman has a husband who is not a believer and is willing to live with her, she must not divorce him. For the believing husband has been sanctified through his wife, and the unbelieving wife has been sanctified through her believing husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. But if the unbeliever leaves, let it be so. The brother or sister is not bound in such circumstances. God has called us to live in peace. How do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? Nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has called them. This is the rule I lay down for all the churches. 2 Corinthians 6, 14 to 16. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what does righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial, Satan? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. 1 Peter 3 1 to 7. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold, jewelry, or fine clothes. Rather, it should be of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give away to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. That's a lot to absorb, isn't it? A lot of good stuff there. And as we let that settle in a little bit, I'm going to call Ted and Brittany to come up and help us out here. Give them a hand because they have no idea what it is I'm asking them to do at all. Okay, so if you could come up and I want you to stand back to back. So you turn, yep, there we go. All right, now, I need the stool because I'm a little short and you're much taller than I am. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna put on the shirt over top. One shirt. Here we go. Okay, so over here. Over here. Okay, now arms, arms in the sides. Yep, there we go. Okay, got it. All right, pull the shirt down. All right. How we doing? There we go. Ta-da! All right, great. Okay. Now, I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna get you. Come this way a bit. Here we go. Here we go. 
Okay, I think that does it. All right, now you look straight ahead. I don't think you'd turn your heads if you want to do anyway. All right, so I'm going to show you what's on the tables, but don't tell them what it is, okay? Obviously, Brittany's going to see what's on her table, and Ted's going to see what's on his table, but don't see what it is. But I want you to see what they're going for here, okay? All right, so this, this is what's on Brittany's table. Oh, can I get open? Ooh, right? All right. So that's Brittany's table. And this is what's on Ted's table. Oh, all right. Okay. So I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, I want you to go for what's on your table. Ready? Yeah, you ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Go. Go for what's on your table. Oh, come on, Ted. Go for what's on your table. Come on. Both go at the same time. See? It's not going to work, right? Okay. All right. We'll let you out of here. We'll let you out of here. But can you see that? Can you see the point? All right. And you get to take your goodies because that was like way above and beyond. Way above and beyond. Give them another hand. When we become one, we don't get a choice. We go together, don't we? Now, the choices on those tables, the difference in those snacks, they're pretty minor, right? But as we go through our marriages and we have these decisions, they get bigger. They may start small with snacks, movie choices, color of the walls. Now I know that one can get a little bit big sometimes, <laughs> right? But in the grand scheme of things, in the end, it doesn't matter, right? But then we get into other decisions, like buying appliances, cars, houses. Where's that house going to be? What jobs are we going to take? Kids, how many are we going to have? How are we going to raise them? Right? Money. How do we going to handle that? How do we budget? What are we going to do with it? All of these decisions get bigger and bigger. Companies and organizations have things called core values. And it's a list of things that they've come up with that guide all the decisions they make, the major decisions that they make. Well, marriages don't have core values, do they? But when we're believers, we have Jesus, right? And we've got the Bible. And those are the things that establish those core values. And unlike a company based on human ideals, where those things could fall apart and not do what they really want them to do, we've got the Bible. It's solid. It's truth. It's unbreakable. And it will never fail us. Right? We're together. And as Ted did with Brittany at the very beginning, he went with her. Right? We go together.
that doesn't always happen, does it? It doesn't always happen. Imagine with me for a minute. You're the believing spouse and, and your other spouse isn't. And you've got to talk to them about tithing. Especially in this economy where everything's going up, 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 up. Right? How's that going to go? There's going to be a lot of pulling apart, isn't there? There's not going to be a lot of going together. Or what if it is this? As a believer, God says to you, I want you to take that job that's lower pay. Hmm. How's that discussion going to go with your unbelieving spouse? Or you find your, your kid on a porn site. And you can't have the godly discussion about that that you want to have because you know what? Your spouse is doing the same thing and doesn't see a problem with it at all because they're not a believer. Some of us don't have to imagine that. There's disunity there, right? And some of us know exactly what that's like. But when we're following Jesus together, and when we're using the Bible to guide our decisions and to establish what it is that we need to be doing, we're going to have unity. We're going to have unity on how we spend our money. We're going to have unity on how it is that we're going to raise our kids. We're going to have unity on what we're going to do with our money. And the list goes on and on and on, right? There's going to be unity. And some of you may be sitting here today and thinking, well, this has absolutely nothing to do with me. I've decided I'm going to be single. Or my spouse has died and I've decided I'm not going to get remarried. Or I'm divorced and I've decided I'm not going to get remarried. Well, this does apply to you. This does apply to you because in Ephesians, Paul makes it very clear to us that as believers, we are the bride of, the, of Christ, right? We get married to him when he goes back in Revelation. But what do brides do? Do they sit there and go, oh, woe's me. I don't care about that guy. No! They're expectant, right? They want to do everything they can to be ready for their groom. So if that's you today, this is about you. Because you have to be tight to Jesus in that same way and ready for him when he comes back. Maybe you're sitting here as a teen or a young adult and you're like, this doesn't apply to me, I'm not married. Well, it certainly does apply to you. Because whether you're thinking about it for right now or further down the road, or maybe you have been thinking about it and you're like, God, where is that person? Where is that person? 
And you might be coming to the point where you're thinking settling is okay. Don't do it. Don't do it. We have to be looking for that person that's chasing hard after God if that's what we're doing. Because when we're united, when we get married, we're one. And if we're not both believers, we're going to have a lot of disunity and a lot of pull, right? Maybe you're in a marriage right now and you're a believer and your spouse isn't. What now? Well, let's go back to those scriptures, right? What did Paul talk about? What did he say? He said, stay. Now, let's make this clear. As long as you're safe, right? We're not saying stay with somebody that beats you up. We're not saying stay with somebody who is openly having affairs and infidelity. We're not saying that. But if it's safe to do so, you stay. Because what did he say? He said, it's not about what you say to them. It's about how you live and how you love them. Right? And who knows? Who knows? That could bring them to Jesus. And then the change, right? The unity, the transformation. Don't give up on that. Don't give up. But there's another part of this that we have to remember. If they're not believers, they're going to make their own decisions, right? What do we do with that? What do they do when they make decisions that we know aren't right? That's when we look to God the Father. Have you made a mistake recently as a believer? What does God do? Does he say, oh, that's it, I'm done with you? No. We have to do the same thing. We have to say, I love you. I don't agree with it. But I love you. And I'll stick this out with you. We'll figure it out. And maybe you're here today, and you're married, and you're both believers. Well, you're not off the hook. Right? Our first priority in our marriage is is to be what? Jesus. Sometimes we get this mixed up. And you know what? You're not alone. I have to watch this one. It's not my spouse first, my kids second, and Jesus last. It's Jesus first. And then it's not my kids and my spouse. It is Jesus, my spouse, and my kids. It's biblical. We have to have it right with him and be chasing after him hard. And where are we going to get our core values from? Right? We have to be going here. As couples, we have to be going here. Does that mean that we're never going to have a disagreement or see things differently? What do you think? No. 
but it means that we don't step away from each other in those disagreements. We have the hard conversations, and we go to this, and we say, what is it that you see in scriptures? What is it that I see in scriptures? And let's talk this out, and let's figure this out, and come to the right decision, God's decision for what we need to be doing here. Don't be afraid of the hard discussions. Because we go together. Whether we want to think about it or not, it's true. We're one. And spouses go together. Thanks for listening and being part of our church and joining us in this journey to become down-to-earth people following Jesus in down-to-earth ways. Thank you.